Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of What's Next with me, Nate Brosey. On the podcast this week, I sit down with one of the head ninja coaches at Action Athletics, Paulina Sturpey. She's a two-time American Ninja Warrior veteran, a longtime action team member. Um, she had a lot of great stories to tell. We had a lot more in common than I actually thought um, going into this. Uh, it was a nice, easy conversation. I, I got to tell you, she's one of my favorite uh, guests we've had on yet. Um, the conversation flowed really well, and uh, I found her super entertaining. So I hope you guys do as well. I want to remind you that what's next may contain adult language and content not suitable for children. Without further ado, here is Paulina Sturpey. Um, so... This is always the easy part of the episode when I get to just talk a little bit into the microphone there. Okay. And we're live. Um, welcome, everyone, once again to What's Next with Nate Brosey. Uh, joining me on the couch today, I have Paulina Sturpey. Uh, she is an illustrious action athletics class coach, a two-time American Ninja Warrior competitor, uh, a philosophic graduate of Wellesley College, a local celebrity, um, I don't know, how else can I pump you up? Celebrity chef. Celebrity chef. Oh yeah, let's go with that. Okay. That's cool. what I've been doing during quarantine. Fantastic. Lots of baking bread. Awesome. Paulina Sturpey, welcome to the show. Thanks, uh, Nate. So Kelsey tells me that uh, I don't spend enough time getting to know the guests when they sit on the couch that I spend too much time talking and I don't talk enough about who people are in case nobody knows. So... Understanding that I do listen to feedback, Kelsey, because uh, she's one of the few people that actually listen to this podcast, and I love it. Um, so for people who might not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you uh, kind of come into the action universe, uh, and you know, how did you make a name for yourself being a ninja or being a coach? I started out pretty ninja-adjacent. Uh, Jesse Lebrecht, who is one of the top females on the show, uh, took a track jobs. This is also part of her story, mm -hmm. a track and field coaching job down at Wheaton, which ended up not working out. And she had come to, come to Massachusetts from Maine with a background in Ninja Warrior and competing. Mm -hmm. And she had met some friends locally at NNLs, one of whom being, uh, Tori Clement, and there was a night when Jesse was crashing with Tori and this job fell through and they were on care.com. They're like, we got to find something. Babysitting can be lucrative in the area and it can be temporary. And they found our family's care.com ad, um, which was for my younger sister, Emmeline. And Emmeline, for those who don't know, is a lovely young woman uh, with cerebral palsy. She's non-speaking, non-moving, uh, quadriplegic, completely there, intelligent has a job, works at an elementary school, can hold it down, wow. uh, but she needs a lot of full-time care. So Jesse found that ad, and she was hired and moved in with my family into our nanny suite in the basement, which nice. is a legitimate thing that we have, um, for live-in care. And she was with us for over a year, about a year and a half, and, and during which time she brought me to action, and because she was doing this really cool ninja stuff, we're like, whoa, what is that? And I came and could not hang. <laughs> and uh, me being the stubborn competitive person I was, was totally terrified and didn't come back for a really long time, but knew I wanted to. And eventually I did. And that was back when Angel and Connor were there and Joe was there, John. And there were a bunch of very, very funny throwback pictures from maybe 2016 that I found of like 
baby ninjas. So That's little Akshara and right. baby Daniel Woods and baby Paul and Reese in the back of my very first Lachey videos. It's very, very funny. That's awesome. The fact that you guys used to tolerate those kids in like Friday night open gyms in that tiny little space. <laughs> I, I never would have thought, cause like, it's, it's funny. You're cause yeah, we were doing the ninja thing then, you know, and I, I do remember when Jesse first came down and, uh, I remember being heartbroken cause I wanted to give her a job as a coach and she was like, no, I found this great nannying gig. And I was like, oh, but like, I really, you know, I had this job all lined up for you, you know, like ready to go. And she was like, no, 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 I think this is like, this just pays more, you know, and, and it's, it's a better, better fit. I was like, all right, that's fine. And I understood. And then I'll never forget, like, I think we were watching maybe her, like that first episode. Was that uh, Pittsburgh that year? No, must've been before that. I actually don't know. I think I'm not Philly. the diehard fan. Because they went to Philly twice. Yes, that was the first year. So it was Philly of first year. I remember that because I remember having the conversation with Jesse mm-hmm. at the begin at, at that summer, and I was like, "What are you going to do after filming when everybody knows your name? Like when you become this ninja superstar?" And she's like, "Oh, Nate, like come on, that's not going to happen." I was like, "Yes, it is. I see the talent. I see it's going to happen." And what's funny about that is like the inspiration trickles down. Right. So that's the cool thing about this sport that we get to do. Like, not only, like, I'm sure that's the same in every sport. Right. So, like, you saw what Jesse was doing. You mentioned your stubborn competitiveness and you were just like, well, I'm not going to be upstaged here. Like, I can do this. This is accessible to me. And eventually you just got off your ass and started coming in the gym more. Yeah. You know, everyone who, everyone who I talk to nowadays about, oh, I have no upper body strength. I could never do that. I'm like, well, I couldn't either. And you have to start somewhere. You know, that meme with Batman backhanding Robin being like, (laughs) and that's what you do. And this, you know, there was one that was like, well, I don't know how to, like, I don't, I can't do a pull up. I can't hang. And Batman going, well, hang, that's how you start. And that's pretty much, that's what I tell everyone. And that's how I started. I couldn't do three rings. Yeah, I, I knew what to do, but I couldn't hold myself up in the air. Mm-hmm. And there's to such be a around, technique to that. Yeah, really. And yeah. now you see it as a coach, right? Like, no, I totally it, see it. When you because you so now you have this experience where you came in raw, not yeah. being able to do the rings, and now you coach kids and adults, you know, in Ninja One Hundred and One, mm-hmm. and in the kids classes on how to do that. You can almost like I can relate to that on a certain level because like I remember hanging those rings up, and I but I kind of was able to do them from the from the beginning. And then I started coaching people through like, I remember when nobody came into old action and like, if I needed to get from one side of the gym to the other, cause the door used to be on the far side of the rings. Yeah, like I would yeah. go from my desk rather than taking the floor, I would just do the rings like down to the door. It just became like something I did. And I never occurred to me that like people would come in and be like, can you show me how to do that? And be like, this is just travel, you know? But now as coaches, we see that it's such a fundamental skill for an adult or a kid. Like when they're first coming in. Yeah, And like you said, it's starting with hanging, right? Yes. So obviously coming into Ninja can be a little intimidating. What was like the the thing that you were most worried about like when you first were like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my mind to this. I'm going to struggle a bit. But what was the thing that you were kind of like, here's this hurdle I got to get over? Well, comparing myself to superhumans around the gym back then, I mean, everyone who ended up becoming one of my closest friends, if not my family now, they were all people who I was like, they are going to see me fall on my butt. Yeah. A lot. Kind of part of the sport. Oh my God. And that was a little horrifying to me at first because I knew, I knew I had, I knew I had the movement patterns. I knew, I knew what to do. I just wasn't there strength wise. And so that was, was the biggest. what was your athletic background? 
Like, it was diving for years and years and years. So ah, like, uh, no stranger to throwing my body through the air. Yeah. Uh, when they found out I was towering well over five feet and I was very young, um, my gymnastics coaches told me to go elsewhere. They mm-hmm. strongly discouraged me to continue it's not <laughs> being really a five tall, foot eight it's now. It's not a tall girl's sport. <laughs> not no. really, no. Yeah. I mean, if I was a Scandinavian. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, a slender woman perhaps, but yeah. not this time around. And so I ended up doing diving. And from diving came uh, circus arts through my time at my summer camp up in Maine. They had a trapeze rig there, so I did that. That's cool. And in college, it was uh, ballroom dance and equestrian. So uh, very, very different and kind of all over the spectrum. But I, at least I had I had a little bit of the thrill there. Mm-hmm. And I, You have to be a thrill seeker to be oh, a diver. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what time you guys practice diving. Like I, We had you, 5 a.m. morning practices mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and afternoon practices. Oh, you guys got afternoons. We also as well? had afternoon practices. Oh, so we only had four four lane pool because you went to Newton South, South, but Newton North has the pool. Okay, I used to play volleyball at Newton South, like in the field house yeah. down there. Okay, yeah, yeah. nothing there, but that, a field, that house. field house. Yep. Okay, because like I went to a small high school and we had like a four lane pool that I think that was built in like the forties. Yeah, and we had a one meter diving board and we would practice at five a.m. When and like we there was no one else there. Yeah, and we couldn't get in in the afternoon, so that's when the swim team was How sketchy there. this was was that during afternoon practices, they would make kids swim in the diving lane, but they'd pull out one lane line and then make everyone, instead of going down and back, do a long oval. So they'd go under the board. Under the board. And around, so it was like a double lane. Oh, my. And you had but to dive in between them? We had to dive in between them. That'll teach you some accuracy. Well, a few kids got really lucky when <laughs> they- I'm sure. I mean, once we're in the air, there's not a lot we can do. Actually, nope. I almost broke my foot bailing out of a dive once because uh, I smacked the top of my foot so hard on the board, just- Bailing and trying to avoid someone. I think that's underestimated. I think people don't realize how much diving hurts. Like yeah. you watch it on the Olympics and you're like, oh yeah, because these guys are jumping like off of, like you watch the platform diving, you don't realize how high that is. Yeah. I actually have never launched myself off a 10 meter. I've done a five. Um, but I've done I've, gorges that were higher than that. Like I've jumped off cliffs and stuff. But oh nothing yeah. Nothing like, yeah, not into a pool, you know? Yeah. So did not you, into did a you pool. compete one meter and three meter? No, there was only one meter okay. where, yeah, so that, where I dove. Yep. And in college is when I would have embarked on my three meter springboard journey, but I uh, was recruited and mm-hmm. then never dove. Me too. Because I had a terrible, <laughs> I had a terrible, terrible coaching experience in high school. Oh, that left me, me completely soured. Like my senior year, I, I quit before sectionals and states. Oh, geez. And was like, nope, I'm seriously done. See, I was surprised I actually made sectionals, I think. It was like counties, sectionals, something like that. Yeah, we called it DCLs where we were. At least you had like a gymnastics background. Like I came into it because like I got arrested for trespassing. We were jumping into this quarry and like whatever, we we were jumping off cliffs into water and I got arrested and got a, uh, not arrested, like a ticket, whatever. We've talked about diving before and you've never told me that. Oh, really? (laughs) That's a great nugget. Yeah. Um, Uh, and there was a this guy Joe Eslack who was on the team. I haven't thought about him in years, but um, if on the off chance that he hears this, um, and we and me and my my friend uh, I think Steph Wilson was there and a couple others. Uh, but anyway, I'm just dropping random people's names in case they're listening to the podcast. Like, he remembers. They're gonna find you, Rosie. <laughs> That's me, uh, Steph Wilson. Yeah. So we were yeah we were just jumping off. I got a great shot of it actually. It's still on my computer, but. Um, the coach of the diving team got word that I had gotten arrested for like jumping off of high things. And he was like, listen, man, like, you know, you need to come do this. The problem was that I was playing other sports at the time and I had theater. 
So like the 5 a.m. practices, I was like, yeah, I can make that work with my schedule. That's fine. I didn't realize I was going to be going to class with welts like the whole way up my arms. Oh, like, yeah. I'm sure you across got some bailout thighs, stories. Across your backs. We ended up designing T-shirts that um, said smack that on them because <laughs> when you hit the water, it makes quite a satisfying smack. It absolutely um, does. And you, and you walk away with mm-hmm. a lot more bruises from the water than the board. Everyone's like, oh, but yeah. what if you hit the board? It's like, no, 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 no. I was never no, no, about no, no, the no. board. It was always the water. It's not the board so Especially much. Especially popping on like a reverse one and a half or like something that, you know, you're, you're oh coming in blind. Oh, like, yeah. I had so many welts, especially when I was trying to learn front two and a halves and then eventually front triples. I like, I couldn't, I just kept smacking my face on the smack, water. Smack, so smack. Uh, my, I'm trying to get my double front. I ate water at so many times mm-hmm. to the point where it just, you hit full face on yep. and you're, Trying to not, not to lose your contact lenses and see if all your teeth are still in your mouth because mm-hmm. you hit so hard. And I would come out, I mean, you know, our classic women's one piece with the Speedo with that back circular cutout oh, just completely. Yeah. And you could see the two lines going up to for my shoulder straps. Uh-huh. I had full on, my back and a half season was rough yeah. one year. And I just, one day I was doing them, doing them. And I was like, you know what? I'll come back to that. Couldn't do it again. <laughs> and just... <laughs> Eight water. <laughs> I look back at it as almost like a blur now because like I I remember having a lot of fun. I remember being terrified to wear a Speedo because I'd never worn a Speedo in front of a group. Like, yeah, I think when for girls, swimming is like, oh, you're wearing a swimsuit. Like a Speedo is a pretty conservative female swimsuit. A Speedo for a, a guy is like way outside my yes. comfort zone a yeah. little bit. And for then, you would get jammers, which are the biker short version. I, I use and those when I trade for a triathlon as a more modest older man. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in the full-on Speedo in high school. And, it, of course, and then you're a high school kid, and you're, like, standing in front of, like, all of your peers and parents. In, yeah, whoever shows up to that swim meet. Uh, yeah. About a, to launch yourself off a springboard. And none of them are thinking about that. But, no. like, I'm standing there before the board going, I'm, I should have worn my bigger Speedo today. Or, like, is this one looking too dumpy or whatever? And then, like, <laughs> like at least you came from a gymnastics background because I, I had none. So, like, I used to get points off left and right for toe point. I had no toe. Like, literally, I'd be going in looking like my feet. Oh, you got some flat. skis. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they would be like... You'd be, you're such a power guy. Just if you just had a toe point, it would be, you'd score better. Like, wow. All right. There ended my illustrious diving career. But it's interesting that you like never dove in college after that as well and got recruited because I did the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, there's not a lot of kids going in for diving, you know, like no, we just kind of found, really. our, found our lane. And so. I got, um, I got shit talked for four years because I, they all knew the entire swim team knew they were getting a diver, and because there aren't a lot of divers, they were super excited. This is at Wellesley, and right? then this is at Wellesley, oh, and okay. then yeah. and then they were all like, "You were that diver that quit," and because they held that over your head, kinda, yeah, God, girls in are a weird so way, mean. <laughs> in a weird way. Uh, but I mean, I had such a bad high school experience, and then college kind of ca- caught wind that I just jumped ship. Oh yeah, and. I was like, I held in there for the better part of four years mm-hmm. and hoping to have a better experience. But then the swim coach, um, who will, I will not name here because I don't know who is going to be listening to this. Yeah, probably a good, but, good idea. Um, the head coach, how I remember this, was she sent me an email, and the line that stuck out to me was like, I can't have someone on my team who quits on themselves and on the rest of their team. And I was like, wow. I was like, wow. Well, I didn't think it was going to be like that, but... I don't really want to be on your team anymore, actually, because 
I was ready to move on and have a really fun college diving career. I really yeah. liked the coach at the time. And you just kind of put a real sour taste. In yeah. And I was like, I didn't quit on myself. I was like, I, like, it was bad. Yeah. I coached the team at one point. Oh, it wow. was just, yeah. so it was just kind of a shit show. It was just totally, yeah, totally. It was gotcha. not so good. It was not so good. Ours but, was like, we, we tried, yeah, but, but divers, they're misfits, right? Like this, the swim team kids, like that there's structure there, you know, oh, they, totally. they understand their practices. They go through their reps. We had to do dry land with swimmers. Do you know how hard it is to dive after doing stairwell runs? Uh-huh. I'm like, I don't have legs and now I have to go and there was no way we could get out of it. I was like, my, this is not the same dry land. We should not be doing this. <laughs> no, I remember my first, my first taste of college diving. It was obviously during orientation. Oh, ori- you told me about this. During the orientation week. The V-ups and the week. tow to bar or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, did you? I was like, what kind of psychopaths do this? They're like, this is way more than I've ever done. And like, I wasn't like I was out of shape, but like what yeah, they were asking is we running sheer. for the bathroom and just like throwing up. Because of course it was orientation week and I'm, we're getting courted by like fraternities and whatnot. We're like going out to parties and staying out to like three in the morning. Yeah, that's a rough week. Then we got diving practice at like 5 a.m. And they're just like, all right, you, you know doing all this ab work and you're doing all these like squats and blah, blah, blah. And we're in there with like the football team and the rest of the, cause we had this huge, like, you know, Cornell is a pretty substantial training facility. Uh, I just remember that being so horrible. And after two of those practices, I was like, Nope, done. Absolutely not doing no, this. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, there you go. We're, our, our illustrious diving careers our illustrious cut, diving cut careers. short too early, Indeed. but laid the groundwork for, you know, these fantastic second acts. As a total aside, Mm -hmm. back when I was a high school diving athlete, Mm I, I, I mean, I guess I looked okay enough. I mean, I had some like raw talent there and I could have, I could have done, done more with more coaching and Mm -hmm. more resources. Or if I like knew I wanted to be a diver, but that was never what I wanted. I wasn't like, like, I'm going to go to the Olympics and be a diver. That thought never crossed my mind. I, I was think like, you got to start gonna, a little earlier if you're going I was like, I'm going to do this. This is pretty fun, and it's kind of cool, and it was kind of my sport, and I, I found it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I later, actually fast forward to this past summer, so almost a year ago at this point, where it's like 4th of July. I'd gone to our country club where they had redone the pool and put it a one-meter springboard, <laughs> and I'm chucking doubles Really? Off the springboard. Wow. Yeah. You know, my mother told me not to make a scene. So obviously right I had on. to go and I yeah. had to make a scene. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, the the dads on the pool deck who all get involved with their kids throwing footballs or whatever. Yeah. There I kind of get out of the water and I'm, a, you know, ju- adjusting my bikini like a loser because that's, you know. Their bikinis aren't made to they're hold not up to functional. the rigors. They're, they're not functional She's whatsoever. flipping through the air. But, boards. you know, I kind of come out of the water and I get the looks and it's, it's not like the up down, but it's the, like, you've done this before. Right. Haven't you? Did you and I'm see, like, oh, it's been a while, but yeah, I'm way more strong now. I'm way more powerful. Like, if only I had, like, my fearlessness back then, coupled with my fearlessness now and my strength, dude. Oh my gosh, it would be such a different story. That's a really so. That's an interesting word to kind of go down a path on is fearlessness, because like, you know, as far as ninja goes, I wonder how many people, like. So there's gyms everywhere, or at least there used to be before we were all completely shut down. Oh yeah, when uh, there was a when there was a world right. outside. So like, if you wanted to, I understand like the things that that you know make someone hesitate to go into their local gym, right? They're like, I'm out of shape. I hear this all the time as a personal trainer, where they're like, Oh, I got to get in shape before I'll go work out with a personal trainer. And as the trainer, I'm sitting there going, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like the trainer should take you from day one yes. to, you know, to get you out there. And I've had some clients who have like, uh, I've worked with the wives and they're like, yeah, my husband wants to come work out with you, but he wants to get in shape first. 
So if, if that's the barrier, right, is like I'm not in shape enough to go to my local gym or maybe you're like intimidated by the bros that hang out that lift, you know, huge amounts of weights or whatnot. You can kind of overcome those with a little bit of online research or whatever. Get, your, yeah. get yourself to the gym, you know, sign up for a membership with a pushy membership consultant salesperson who's yeah. going to lock you into a year-long contract yeah. and then And whatever. you start out on some cardio equipment and you get a little bit more comfortable going there and being in the space and then you start to branch out to the group X or whatever you right. do. Yeah. But it's not like you're falling on your ass from day one. One, no. Right? Like you're not, not failing like in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that's maybe a distinction to make with like a ninja gym is like it takes a lot of balls just to walk through the doors of a ninja gym and say, yeah, I'm going to try this. Either that or a lot of ignorance and naivete or like somebody who just walks in. Like I always think of smaller like coming in day one and just being like my will to want to do this is overcoming my self-consciousness about it. Like you see yeah, someone who I comes in with like those rose colored glasses. who's yep. just like, yeah, this is all going to be great. I don't realize how much I could possibly get hurt. Um. I think that's what makes our sport so like both difficult but also wonderful yeah. is because like you have to be fearless if you're going to participate in it. The great ones really show it off. Did, did you watch um, Jesse Graff's video that she did? Uh, oh, God. She did like a song video yesterday with some kid on Instagram. Oh, did no. you see it? Definitely didn't. Okay. Um, it was a post where she did like a they, – they made up words – uh, about ninja, like uh, to a, another song, and mm-hmm. Sherry's sitting there watching, it and she's like, "This is so." She goes, "This is so cute," and I'm watching it, going, "This is so cringy. I can't, like, I can't do it." To me, like, the the simple act of like putting yourself out there singing on the on the internet, like, and putting that video out there, is worse to me than walking into a ninja gym and having no idea what I'm doing mm-hmm. and like falling on my ass. Oh yeah, I'll fall in front of anybody. I don't care, but like committing something that I worked really hard on to the internet to me is just like crippling fear. Crippling. Yeah. Like what's your, are you more as far as like, are you wired the, the, the like crippling fear of putting yourself out there way? Or are you more wired? Like, you know, I don't want to fall in front of people or. It comes more from my competitiveness. It's because I knew I could get it. Mm-hmm. It just was a really long road and exploring something and like my own inner strength that, mm-hmm. um, I still, constantly struggle with, but it was more of like, I know I can do this. I just have to be strong enough to do this, but I'm not, I'm not scared. I, I mean, there are many times in my life where I, I mean, I don't know. I like to think of myself as being pretty fearless. I mean, I would, I would, I would be the one climbing trees or taking the big jump or whatever. Nothing. I mean, I've actually never broken a bone and I'm going to knock on wood right now. Audibly, so hopefully you, you can hear it on the podcast. Me? I've never, never broken a bone. You I think only both. my pinky finger, but that was because I had a soccer ball kicked at my face, and my gut reaction was to go, ah, and just throw up my hands, and it bounced off one finger. <laughs> you got lucky. My best friend in high school did the same thing. She was playing kickball. Uh, I forget who kicked the ball, but her name was Jamie. And like this same came, this kid was on the soccer team. This ball came rocketing like towards her. It wasn't coming towards her face. It was out here. She tried to put her hand out to block it. Oh. It broke her entire arm. Oh like her hand gosh. was just whoosh, like right back. She was kind of accident prone too. Like especially when it came to like playing sports. That's with her mega yikes. She she broke her jaw trying to catch a fly ball from her boyfriend who like played baseball. She broke her arm playing kickball. That's like, actually <laughs> a story I want to hear. I just looked at you blankly for a second. Like it's, you're 
jaw? No, yeah, How so, does that even happen? So, so <laughs> this girl, Jamie, she was like my best friend all through high school. Like we were, you know, two peas in a pod. And I'll never forget this because she was, she was dating this guy. They were out, there was a baseball field right across from her house. And he was hitting fly balls and she's standing out in the outfield with the glove to catch him. I think it was, I want to say it was a softball. And she like lost the ball in the sun and had the glove like up above her eyes and the ball came down and just hit her right on the jaw and like broke it. I don't know if it shattered it, but like that is worst case scenario. She had to have it wired, like went through this whole thing and she wouldn't come to school. She didn't want anybody to see her. And I just so happened to be like going to the office, like while she was coming in to get her work. And I like saw her because like she, you know, she was very deliberate about not letting anybody see her. And I like saw her and I like gave her a hug. I was like, "Mm, it's okay. You know, we still love you, blah, blah, blah. And then I think that might have been even our like sophomore year or something. But even like I ended up moving to Virginia Beach like to hang out with her. She got me a job down there. Like we were tight as anything, man. I've kind of lost touch with her now. But um, it seemed like she was constantly getting hurt, you know, trying to play with the boys. Like let's let's go down this line. Like, Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> obviously when it comes to Ninja – there's a distinction between kind of how the boys move and how the girls move. Yeah. And it's I, I the thing that I love about it is that the course doesn't change. It doesn't have to. It's in the laws of the NNL that they can if they want to. Yeah. But like I never have anytime we've ever done a, a, a course. No, um, an extra height boost. Yeah. If anything. That's, that's really all it is. Across age groups even. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're watching and learning on Ninja – do you watch do you watch how the girls do it or do you watch how the guys do it? Like being as athletic as you are. Like are you are you kind of watching I don't know, who are you watching? Uh, my answer to that is yes, because the overwhelming amount of male athletes in this sport, I mean, at least when I started, it was there were just a lot more it was men a sausage fest. that I that I totally that I knew about and that were very visible as athletes then. Yeah. Uh, and but Thank and God I trained, there's as many females as there are now. Yes. Like, otherwise it would have been boys club. Um, just also shout out to that community, uh, to the Ninja Babes and Kara Palillo and what she's done to highlight and feature the women who yeah. are amazing. They're incredible athletes and just they're yeah. awesome. But that's that's a really great spotlight into that community, but that didn't exist back then. And what I was doing was coming into the gym and training training with dudes mm-hmm. most of the time. And then like Jesse, who just is a freaking superhuman. So that's not really fair. And Alyssa, actually, not really fair. Yeah. And Mia, holy crap, <laughs> not even really fair. Like, we've, we've been really me. lucky to have a lot of really good females. There's me the and then there was like everyone else, which goes back to a little bit of the fearless thing and back to the gymnastics and back to the diving for just a moment to say that Thank goodness for my background, and I knew I was prepared to take a fall. My concern wasn't getting hurt. It was definitely a pride thing Mm -hmm. because I was a quick learner, and I knew that I could figure it out. I could solve the problem mentally, but physically, that's where I've had the most amount of struggle and is the most rewarding part about coaching new athletes to the sport Mm -hmm. because I know what it's like to come in with no strength, but I was able to figure it out. So about how long did it take you? Oh my gosh. To get uh, to a level where you you felt comfortable with your strength, where you were like, okay, I'm done working on getting to like a baseline, but now I can, now I can, I'm just working on skills. Um, to not take the self-deprecating route and say never. Um, I'll say maybe <laughs> three years, two, three years okay. after, I would definitely say my third year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
going into NNL competition, I felt pretty strong. I felt pretty prepared. I had seen a lot at that point as well. I'd seen, I'd seen a lot of courses. I'd seen a lot of athletes move through a lot of courses, be it Ninja Warrior, which actually is the most straightforward of the straightforward. It's don't fall off the scaffolding and (laughs) don't hit the water. Yep. Otherwise, like, don't touch a red line, this, that, and the other. You got to make a clear by doing this. That's starting to come which, out of the sport a no, little No, it certainly bit. had, but I had seen a lot it's of that, and I felt, I felt pretty prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of my physicality, I knew that – I knew I had a lot of power, but there's still plenty I had to work on. I always think of myself as unpolished, is that there's, there's a lot of raw potential mm-hmm. still there. Um, and I've been – I actively took myself out of the last – competitive season, um, all NNLs, all, um, UNAAs, uh, the show, I didn't even apply. I didn't do any rec league. I did nothing really. Mm -hmm. I just coached. Um, but that was, that was to give my body just a little bit of a break because I'd never been, I'd never been this type of competitive athlete. I wouldn't really, I mean, having not been a competitive athlete in college, at least not on a like college team, I didn't really- Did you really, play like intramural sports and that kind of stuff? Yeah, that was ballroom dancing and equestrian. Oh, okay. Yeah, so totally different. You know, yeah, I yeah. went from like one culty thing with the Speedos to the next one with this fake tan and literally Elmer's gluing rhinestones into your hair after you've- Really? Uh, yeah, hairspray, the helmet of hairspray on it, so it just shines, it just glistens, it's hard. Wow. That's hardcore. All that and the sequins and learning how to stone your dress and learning how to take care of your shoes. Oh, yeah. And then equestrian where you have to put on your hairnet just right and cover the tops of your ears under your helmet. And the judges get really particular about that. And you have to have your shirt tucked in just so. What? The equipment for these sports, let me just tell you. That's crazy. Yeah. All the money I earned babysitting in college over the summers funded (laughs) all of my collegiate athletic careers. Oh, my God. Crazy. I got to get my daughter's Um, skateboards. Like early on, or something that they can like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they're they're destined to go down this path where I'm going to be paying for a horse time and and you know dancing oh, shoes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Dylan loves to dance. That's like her uh, great. Oh my gosh, I know. It's one of her favorite I'm things. Like, <sighs> I'm like, I want to be like big, on like auntie. Co- it's weird because I coach your daughter too, but I yeah. want to be like Aunt Pauline. I don't even really know what I would be, but adjacent somehow where I'm Auntie like, Paulina. I'm going to, I'm going to take her to all her dance classes and be like the dance mom. Well, I mean, but you, not you actually, got, but you got, sort of, <laughs> you got Rachel Nerdner out on Harry Potter. Uh, she could probably use somebody who's uh, can teach her the right way to be a little bit of a girly girl. So short aside story yesterday, she lost her mind, but let me back it up a little bit. I'm sitting down in the living room. Actually, no, I was in the office at that point. I was editing some videos. I had the the monitor on uh, in their room. And I hear Reese and Dylan just cackling. Like, just, oh, my God, laughing. Just, did you do? And I'm like, this can't. Sorry, they sounded like what? Like, they couldn't be having any more fun. Which, for me, as a parent, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, that's going to be something bad. So, uh I hear them leave the room and I try to head them off at the pass because if I can get to them before Sherry, then maybe they won't get in as much trouble or I can like kind of kick before they get yelled at. Diffuse the situation. Right. (laughs) Uh, No, I took the wrong hallway and Sherry caught up with them and turns out they had taken lipstick. They wanted to play um, Indians. So they have this this outfit that they've gotten from 
uh, lily monitor oh. um, that has like feathers and like this whole like you know uh, leather suede you know sort of like a traditional was it sort of, once a dance outfit it was like an eagle spirit for like a play kind of outfit okay so they decided they wanted to dress up as their words Indians now we have to go over the Native American thing in the house yep um, to get them using the proper nomenclature but that's how they understand it and so they had taken lipstick and lipstick their entire face. I'm talking eyebrows, nose, ev- everywhere. Now, Dylan had the smart wherewithal to wipe it off as best she could using a crap load of like hand and face wipes, you know, like the pre moisturizer. Yeah. She wipes it off. Reese, nope, still just straight up covered. So she comes out to the end of the hallway and Sherry just, what the? You know, it like doesn't say it in front of because she's pretty good at censoring herself. But like, she's like, what were you doing? And Reese's like, we wanted to the Indians. Oh, <laughs> okay. And so Dylan's <laughs> just like, we were dancing. It was fun. I'm like, oh God, you know, whatever. So we, they spent, you had to wipe it all off their face or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I realized that Dylan spends all this time like in front of the mirror, like putting lipstick on, playing around with eyeshadow, kind of like, trying to discover her girly girl side mm-hmm. you've met sherry she's about the furthest thing from a girly girl ever like she wears makeup sometimes like, she uh lines her waterline beautifully i will say she, she eyeliner she nails yeah. uh but aside from that like i can't <laughs> remember a time she's worn lipstick like you know i buy dresses probably or yeah. someone else's wedding Maybe. that we've gone to <laughs> but like I've never been like standing there staring at my watch going, God, why is this woman taking forever to get ready or pregnant or whatever? She's ready before I am. She's like, what's taking you so long, dude? I'm like, I gotta polish my shoes. Um, So the girls aren't learning any sort of like, you know, primping femininity from Sherry. Obviously, that's gonna come from some influence in their life. And I really hope it's not some like crappy friend in middle school or high school that makes them feel bad about themselves. You know, like that's. that's like my worst nightmare. You watch too many episodes of Mean Girls or something. And you're yeah, like, my self discovery was definitely during middle school. Yeah, and it was like the eighties were back because I found some like crazy blue greens and eyeshadow. No, I did not crimp my hair, okay. but I wore dumb looking eyeshadow <laughs> for <laughs> so many years, and it continued in high school. Oh man! Because you know you try to be an individual or whatever. Yeah. And, well, you're I mean, discovering yourself. That's what yeah, people, no, but know? also, uh, like my own mom didn't really have a beauty routine, and okay. I never really learned. But I, I always liked makeup. That's a good phrase. But beauty routine. A beauty routine. I mean, at That's least gotta not be a part one, of being a woman. It right? was like, Chanel number five. That was like all I really remember. Yeah. Because that's how you. That's that your, scent stuck with me. Your mom wears Chanel number she five. She did once upon a time. Okay. Once upon a time. Right now, I don't think really she wears much perfume. Does anybody wear Chanel number no. five anymore? Isn't that? I like mean, a, I don't know, but I always was, think that's like Marilyn Monroe. I mean, that's I was growing up in the '90s, and that's what my mom was wearing. Okay. I, you know, if I'm wrong, I am so sorry, Tina. I, you did not wear that. I don't remember what it was, but I I'm, couldn't name I my mom's perfume. I could have to sworn it was life. Chanel number no. five. I don't remember, mm. but don't quote me on it. <laughs> I'll, you know what? My dad would know. You can put a gun to my head right now and be like, what perfume did your mom wear? I'd be like, I don't know, mom spray. Mom (laughs) spray. I don't. Breeze. Yeah, I don't know what. Whatever it was back then, ammonia. (laughs) Yeah. And some dish soap. (laughs) She had a perm. I remember that. Um, Yeah, but but a beauty routine would be super important for. I mean, like, I, mean, I, I don't mean to make it sound like Sherry doesn't, like, you know, teach them about how to be a woman, you know, like. I, it's, I didn't, no one took it like that. Okay. Anyway, that's a far extreme. 
But I think, I mean, in terms of, well, I experienced this a little bit differently with my younger sister who is completely codependent right. on a routine. Right. Yeah. But I kind of like wash your face, learn like, you know, she likes to have, um, mascara on and lip gloss on when she goes to work, a little bit of cover up or whatever it is. But I mean, she's completely relying on someone else to do that yeah. and figuring out how to do that. And whatever, whatever your goal is, if it's just put together yeah. or if it's full on glam, there's a huge spectrum there, but having some kind of foundation is something you learn a lot by trial and error. And I always, you know, I I get that it's one thing for parents or, you know, moms in particular, whoever the makeup wearing being is typically moms, um, in the family. (laughs) (laughs) One would not necessarily hope, but just that's pretty, yeah. The majority. majority. (laughs) Um, but you know, the kids get into mom's makeup drawer, makeup stash. And it's like that lipstick does not get treated gently. No. Right. So I can understand why parents, <laughs> why moms in particular, are like, oh my gosh, get your sticky fingers out of all of that because yeah. it's expensive. Sephora costs a lot of money or yeah. wherever you get your beauty products. Right. <laughs> but if you, I remember getting like um, lip smackers when I was growing up, which is like smackers. the most 90s thing ever. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. The girls but in high school went nuts for We lip had all, I had all, every flavor because literally they were flavors. Yep. It's not yep. just varieties. It's mm-hmm. like all the flavors Hopefully. and figuring out that stuff. And I remember having like Hello Kitty and Polly Pocket, like branded little mini samplers. And I would, I remember using those. Dude, Polly Pocket. Do you know Polly Pocket's like back? I, uh, yes. All right, hold on. Let me say, let me back that up. Polly Pocket is on Netflix and my daughters are obsessed with it. Oh, I did not know that. They watch it every morning. They sit down, they watch it. But it's not like your, your mom's Polly Pocket. It's like, she's this hip red like you know california skater girl like you know probably she's got lots of friends and there's this woman who's after her. like it's a i'm not gonna say i'm gonna sit down and watch a couple episodes of it but i'm like oh Polly if Pocket. you happen to be on the couch in the same vicinity as your children with no intention of getting up yeah you'd sit through it exactly yeah. i mean i did watch every season of glitter force and i don't even know what glitter force is i didn't either until yeah. dylan stumbled across <laughs> it one day and i was like oh this must be how my mom felt watching like Captain Planet or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something like that because mm. like I, I'm literally watching and they know like the girls know all the things they're like activate glitter pack and they know this this is glitter sunny it's glitter spring whatever and I'm going ha, ha, ha. I, you know okay maybe I can you know, know what I think parents or rather my parents so in like the 50 range 40s 50s maybe early 60s mm-hmm. when all they had was VHS <clears throat> and they would just, but it would be the same VHS. Yeah. And you'd have to rewind it yeah. and do another two hours of Beauty and the Fucking Beast. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, I must have watched there's Teenage some variety Mutant. now. I watched Teenage I Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, at least a thousand times. I had an obsession with the Wild Thornberries, which is another Nickelodeon classic. Okay. Um, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. She can talk to animals. Oh, like a yeah. Dr. Doolittle kind of deal. Kind of, yeah. Okay. But she, she has befriended a chimpanzee named Darwin, which is hilarious. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. she has an older sister named Debbie, who's um, over the one eye fringe, it was iconic back then. She had a squeeb. Like um, a, like a, I mean, she had these like blonde waves and they came to a triangle point on her head and covered one eye. It was the strangest thing like ever. Yeah. I yep. don't know what that means. It's but. a, so it's a scenester thing. So like I, I listened to a lot of AFI and Coheed and Cambria Yeah. And like, so 
All right, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes, because yes. she had like big baggy jeans and a crop top and wore a green flannel over it. Yep. Yeah. Oh there yeah, totally great. Yep. And dad was a crazy, like he he was like Steve Irwin, um, okay. but lame. But mom was the film, she was the, they did nature documentaries. So they always went around living in a caravan. And, Wait, these are real people? Oh, no, no, no. This oh, it was a cartoon. animated cartoon, okay. right? right? But then this, this, this girl, Eliza, <laughs> yeah. she could talk to animals. She had special powers and okay. she would like, get her parents out of a pickle and then they adopted a feral child named Donnie. Oh my gosh. Seriously Wait, though, this show was legit. Donnie like, <laughs> like Rugrats Donnie? Or was that just a common name for feral children in the nineties? Like, so there wasn't did, a Donnie in the Rugrats. Yeah. The Rugrats go wild. Did you ever see that movie? Oh yeah. That's that. That's the crossover. Donnie. That's the crossover. Oh, with the wild thornberries. Awesome. Donnie. Okay. Yeah. Oh geez. My we are talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Brad. So there is a regular wild thornberries movie, okay. not the Rugrats go wild, but I watched that one 8,000 times. Yeah. Only a thousand. But it was my younger sister who had the, okay. The amount of times I watched Annie Oliver, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, they were by like season. I could almost remember as she got older or like whatever, the movie would switch. And I was, <laughs> I was the one who was like, we are not watching this again. Yep, and I can only like- imagine what my parents went through being like, Oh, but we are. And I did the same thing, but I was just a few years older. But at you least know, you six. had like <laughs> a, a limited supply, right? Like now with digital content, oh, it's unlimited. It's, it's crazy. I sit down and like, we have Netflix, we have Disney plus, we have Amazon prime. You have Hulu. And, you have, yeah, there's who there's regular TV mm-hmm. out of all those things. Like we will buy Disney movies. We, or at least we did before we had Disney plus now, like we have to sit down at night and they have to agree like on what they want to watch at some point. And it takes them forever because I'm just going through the kind of like, you want to watch The Little Mermaid? No. You want to stick it? No. You know, how about a Marvel movie? No, no, Star Wars. The one thing I will say, I got them into Star Wars a little bit. They're Star still, Wars is awesome. They're still reluctant to kind of like get, you know, like over the hump with it. They're not obsessed with it yet, but they, they watched the first Star Wars, episode four, and we're into it. I was like, okay, I'm just going to plant that seed and we can foster it down the road. Sounds like. People haven't changed all that much over the years. It's no. The technology has helped. I suppose you know, like, not. Yeah. The Adams Family, they love the Adams Family. That, well, the new stuff. animated one that came out like not yeah. that long ago. Oh, so this sounds that. like a, <laughs> this sounds like a perfect time to play a game that I had lined up for you because one of my favorite things to do with you for years, and I'm sure your repertoire has grown quite a bit uh, over the last few months and uh, over quarantine of watching movies. So we're going to play a short game of Name That Quote. I will do my best, but okay. if anyone knows what actually Nate is referring to, it's Nate has an endless supply of movie quotes that he has stored, like, That's how my photographically. Brain works. And no, I think it's wonderful. I do the same thing with song lyrics. Ah, All that space in there. There's another one we can I re- play. I remember a really dumb llama song, which was an original YouTube sensation. You can ask Casey Lewis, but I sang... All of it, almost word for word, during a preschool setup one day, and was like, "Where <laughs> the fuck did that come from?" <laughs> well, that has just been sitting in there waiting. But I used to think that all the your time. Your like, arsenal of movie quotes, and then you're like, "Have you seen thing. that?" Everyone's like laughing, like, "Yeah, yeah, they've seen the movie." I have not seen the movie. It's a guy thing. I was I, not, but I was also I did not grow up doing a lot of movies. I just grew up doing other stuff. Like I, I was super. So you fickle. had a life. The, no, 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 no. The rest no. of us were, no. <laughs> were sitting there going. I think the- movies are great, but my parents weren't like, let's have family movie night. It wasn't like, let's instill oh, I never the did classic. That. I watched let's- them on my own. Oh, rather. I don't know how it happened. You know because, what it was? See, I-, I worked at Best Buy. I worked at Best Buy during oh. the 
like the golden age of the DVD era. Right. So like right before Blu-ray came out, like right before like HD DVD and right before Netflix Mm -hmm. or even like during what Netflix used to be where like you would put in for it and then they would send oh, yeah. it to you or what Kids whatnot. would be like, what nowadays? Yeah. When you had to wait for your yeah, next like, kiddos, Netflix DVDs to, to show up. You used to have to go to Blockbuster <laughs> and pick out a movie. There was nothing more disappointing when then the actual movie was not and behind they the box. They didn't have it. They didn't have it. That. Oh, God. So, I, I mean, I that was my and formative Hollywood years. Hollywood video. Woo, throwback. Yeah, Hollywood video. Um, so, and sometimes I'd go to like the one-off like mom and pop video shop, which I absolutely love because there was these people that went to our church who like... Uh, they owned a video store and they always had like, I was allowed to get a video game for the weekend and a movie. I didn't realize at the time, my parents were just like, awesome that you're going to be quiet. Like that's, <laughs> I thought I was getting some special treat. What you're I like, this re- is the best. They were like, oh, he's not going to bother us. It's great. I'm like, so I'm slowly but surely trying to introduce video games to my girls. Not because I want to rot their brains, but just because I okay. need some quiet. We're going to get to this later about video games, yeah. but video games are like, they're almost like reading books nowadays. They, they are, are so involved. It the, is the crazy. The story, people win awards. The story. For the story that they oh write gosh. or like the, the, and the soundtrack. And cinematically, like the, they're really gorgeous yeah they're, they're quite amazing. stunning to look at but anyway my point was everyone has a good laugh about nate's movie quotes and i'm there like i haven't seen that movie and then everyone in the group is like come on paulina how come you haven't seen that movie i have since seen ferris bueller's day off because this is one of the first ones that people quoted was around really? me and i was like oh that's not in my heavy rotation that's interesting that you picked up on that one okay <clears throat> there was that one but i mean i but I that's mean, I one do, of the original classics that people are like you haven't seen that i and do, I'm do like, that from time to time i haven't like, you're right bueller shoot me bueller yeah. bueller nope Okay, so I'm going to hit you with five. Let's see if you can go three for five. Three for five? Three for five. All right, may the odds be ever in my favor. Oh, that was one movie right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bonus point. Nice job. Good, good Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Good Hunger Games. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll hit you with an iconic one. Oh, the price is wrong, bitch. Nope. Yeah, I got oh, nothing on that. Oh, for one. That's Billy or uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. That's Happy Gilmore. Oh, you know, I do know that movie, and I have seen it, actually. I just don't know it quotably. The Adam Sandler canon that, yeah. you, that you absolutely have to watch is Happy Gilmore. Like, this is before they yeah, start to go golf. downhill. Yeah, that was I remember yeah. that one. Happy yeah. Gilmore, Billy Madison, uh, Mr. D- no, not even Mr. Deeds. Big Daddy was really good. I've seen Big Daddy. Yeah. Uh, not oh, quotable. But. I wipe my own ass. I wipe my own ass. <laughs> that was a good part of that one. All right. So we're 0 for 1. Okay. Uh, how about... There's so much more room for activities. Oh, I know this. There's so much more room for activities. Oh no! I did you try? Know. Did you touch my drum set? Did you touch my drum set? You touch? Is that the same movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's. I. You're gonna lick that white tip. piece of dog shit. It's on the tip of my tongue. But is it Step Brothers? Yes. Yeah. Ding, 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 okay. Ding, good. Ding, ding, it's Step Brothers. I knew there was so much room for activities. That's when they bunk their beds. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good job. The one where they're talking like, do you like guacamole? Yeah. Exactly. All right. One you for just two. Best friends. Okay. I got one. One good. for two. Step Brothers. All right. These are not the droids you're looking for. I wish you could all see the blank look I have on my face right now. Like Nate's like trying to tell me with his eyes. And I don't got it. I mean, I'm going to take an L on that one. That was uh, Star Wars. I was going to guess Star Wars. Because you had said Star Wars earlier. I thought I'd... I was going to say it, but I, it wouldn't have been because I actually knew. It would have just been an educated guess. Well, but I'm going to actually... A lot of times that can be it. Sure, but I'm going to take the L because I didn't actually know. All right. Yeah, when they go to Moss Eisley Station and the uh, Stormtroopers are there and... Uh, 
old Ben Kenobi, as he still wanted at that point. He's also Obi-Wan. He goes, these are not the droids you're looking for. And Luke's like, what the hell? You just used the Force. Um, let's see. Let's go with something more recent. Man, I'm trying, I'm trying to find something in your canon that I know will work. Ooh, uh, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Isn't that dodgeball? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. That's See, a good one. They don't have to be like super, <laughs> yeah. super Actually, hard. Actually, I sat down with Rachel Smaller and saw that one. That's awesome. There you yeah. go. Yeah, in her gorgeous movie theater. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gorgeous. nice. And slash Ninja uh, Slash Ninja out, Hangout. Yeah. yeah. She promised the girls that they could watch Harry Potter in there at some point because we're reading through the Harry Potter canon. Um, My right. nanny read Harry Potter aloud to me before I could read it myself. And I had fond memories of that. Do you really? Oh, that's yes. awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause that's part of our bedtime routine now is like, so yep. Reading bedtime at our house was becoming a little chaotic. Uh, especially yeah, you with told like, me about this. Yeah. So I instituted a policy where like after the girls are done eating dinner, we go into the living room, we sit down you do and, your chapter. And we read a chapter. Yep. And I do the voices. Like I'll do you Hagrid's. ask them questions. Yep. And they have to know the characters. I do Hagrid's voice. I do yep. Dumbledore's voice. What's your Hagrid voice? Uh, oh, come on. Oh, man, you put me on the spot. You're a wizard, Harry. That's the most classic I, line. I, I almost <laughs> have to start it with Harry. Oh, yeah, Harry Potter. They're <laughs> taking all the things from Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, it's always this big over-the-top Irishman accent, or like at least my my uh, complete destruction of it. All right, so you're two for four? I think so, yes. Two for four. All two right, this four. is the big money one. Okay, Big we money. Got to get this one. Oh, how deep down the cannon do I want to go? Okay. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Oh, that was it? Um... This isn't Vietnam, Walter. What the fuck does anything have to do with Vietnam? Well, yeah, no, I don't got it. Oh, darn it. I don't even know. The Big Lebowski. Actually, I haven't seen that. Oh, put it on your queue. Okay, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one. Here's the thing. I went with that one for a reason. Put it on your queue to watch it twice. Because the first time you see it, you're going to be like, uh, okay, like I don't really get it. Then you watch it through a second time, you go, oh, holy shit, this is a genius movie. Coen Brothers, um, they're really, really good. Was that kind yeah. of like the usual suspects when you watch it twice? And you look back through and you go, oh man, how did I miss that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Um, yeah, Coen Brothers. I can't quote it so. though. All right, I will give you, <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a bonus, bonus round on this a one. bonus round? Okay. Because I haven't seen it. I, I'll give you a bonus <laughs> It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. Ow. Apparently, it's made with bits of real panther, so that's how you know it's good. Okay. Uh, Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. 60% of the time, it works every time. I don't know. Dang it. I want to say like Wedding Crashers or something, but it's not. Anchorman. <laughs> Anchorman? Anchorman? Oh, I've seen Anchorman. <laughs> yeah. I used to quote that with my buddies in Virginia Beach like all the time. We, we would be out somewhere and like they'd be like, I don't know, what are our odds of doing this? And we'd be like 60% of the time. It works every time. Mm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. So, all right, just because you've seen it doesn't necessarily mean it's quotable. quotable. But, or, yeah. I mean, I can't quote it. That's not, I mean. And you know what? That's not a bad Unless thing. it's Mean Girls. Oh, interesting. I okay. can quote Mean Girls quite well. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't be able to quote it. So we exist in different mm-hmm. realms. I've seen that one several times. Fair Let's enough. See. So getting back to the uh, before we did this, hold on, before the movies. Oh, video games. We were talking video about video games. games. Yeah. So 
this the trend that I'm kind of like picking up on here a little bit is that like you've come into the things that you enjoy now uh, later in life. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't necessarily things that you did like as a kid a lot and have just kind of been a part of you since your upbringing. Like you've discovered things that a lot of us kind of took on as kids, mm-hmm. video games, sports, um, you know, grueling athletic activity, things like that. Um, as an adult, what sort of, I guess I'm interested in your perspective on that because obviously there's barriers. Like let's start with video games. Picking up, like if you didn't start out playing Nintendo, like in back in the day. Oh, let me tell you how this happened. Okay. Cause I have good stories cool. about this if you'd like. Yeah. Go for it. Go <laughs> All for right. It. So, um, my video game background was um, playing Pokemon mm-hmm. on my Game Boy Color. Okay. And Donkey Kong and Legend of Zelda. But that was all on my tiny Game Boy tiny Color. Game Boy Color. And it became like a Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. that. Yep. And then it had one more iteration where it became like almost like a flip phone. That was Imagine. DS. That was it was a DS. DS. All right. Yep. And I had a DS. But that was about it. Otherwise, I had one of my best friends growing up. Her older brother had an Xbox yeah. and a GameCube. Mm-hmm. And I would watch him play. Like, I, she would hate me because I would want to come over and we'd have a play date and we'd hang out. And then I'd like, well, like, we'd go by brother's room on our way to hers. And I'd be like, what's that? And I would like rubberneck through the door. So you were interested in it. Oh, my gosh. Intrigued. Okay. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But you know, like older brothers never give their younger sisters a turn, right? That's not I a thing that happens. I was the youngest one, so like I couldn't really, you know. Oh, fair enough. Well, then my other video game background was DDR. So when you could get the big mats and plug them in and you would play DDR oh, really? in someone's basement. That makes perfect sense. I was wicked gnarly at DDR. I'm sure. But You're not a great com- dancer. But not compared to how people are like at arcades. That is like next level where they're... Oh, leaning on, on the bar on the bar and their, and their, their feet i'm like all right you must have some crazy course and they bring their own and towels and shit. Tra- <laughs> with towels I, oh my god it's insanity so basement ddr right i'm yeah. drawing a line there so that was my background with video games flash forward to me i'm 26 and uh boyfriend and i want to like he's talking about video games, like Jess and Joe, our friends that we had gone out there and they were playing on a switch with our friend Yancey's awesome ninjas doing ninja things, but also playing ninjas video games. Love video games. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they love video games and they're playing on a switch and we were kind of like, we got to get one of those. That was really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we go and bite the bullet and we do it and we mm-hmm. get a switch for Christmas. And the first games we got were Mario Kart. Smash, yeah, and I got a Pokemon game because I'm reliving my childhood dreams. Woo woo! I mean, that's the, the three that are in my Switch right. library. Um, I am the sorest loser at Mario Kart ever, um, ever. Because really? come round three, when you just get uh, fucked up and lit up by everyone and everything, because you're in first, and then all of a sudden you're not in first. It's just like red shell, red I shell, blue shell, <laughs> blue shell, ink, whatever, whatever. Yep. I get lit up round three of Mario Kart, and <laughs> I am butthurt as fuck about it. Okay, so I know this is a family. Nature is I know this is a family again. podcast, but I'm sorry, that's the only. It's not a family all, podcast. It's not a family podcast. Well, then fuck that. I get so mad at Mario Kart, and then I there's Super Chris Smash. I told Chris when he sat down, he was like, "Thanks for not making me put my Disney filter on." I was like, "It's fine, dude. Anybody who knows me knows I'm <laughs> like a then, sailor." <laughs> and then there is Super Smash. Which is literally just me super smashing buttons trying to do something and not fall off the map. I spend more time falling off the map on, like on, on your smash, own, like on my own, than I actually do damage to other people. And then 
You should start playing as Bayonetta. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pro Bay- tip. Pro tip. So, so, okay. Like that's a I always did or Kirby. Kirby because like, Kirby floats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you can get good with Captain Falcon, um, and and adjust it. Yeah. I like Captain Falcon without the suit. Okay. Right? Isn't that Captain Falcon without the suit? I mean, he's not naked in the video game. No, probably, there's right? maybe maybe I'm thinking of someone else. See, this is. This is oh, what no shoot, Seamus. Sam, yeah, Samus. Samus, Samus, Samus. No yeah, shoot, yeah. Samus. That's yep. what I was thinking yep. of. Not Samus, Captain Falcon. Dark Samus is easy to play with as well. Okay, all right. Yep. I like Samus. That was okay. Um, but then, <laughs> then Nick is like, oh, they have Assassin's Creed games? Awesome. And he's like, I think you'd really like that because of the history and the story, you'd be super yeah, into it. They're cool games. And I was like, Rad, that sounds awesome. Playing Assassin's Creed made me want to throw my controller at the TV. Was this on Switch? Yeah. They have Assassin's Creed on Switch? Yeah, they do. Oh. They have a double pack where you get two games for the price of one. They always pack those up. I got Black Flag and and like uh, the the Revolution one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The American Revolution one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah. Yep. And so... (laughs) I'm so frustrated because you have to keep your notoriety down, mm-hmm. right? So you, so the spies don't catch you because you're you're an assassin, right? You can't get caught. Yep. But I, I just have so much trouble panning using the right oh, joystick yeah, yeah. that I'm just like <laughs> drunk walking <laughs> all over the map. So that's why I said with the running controller, into shit yeah. that I like. Oh my gosh! And now. And now I've actually, I've had a little bit more practice, so it got better. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like mega into The Witcher, which is what I'm yeah. playing right now. Like I they don't have The Witcher may or may on not, Switch, do they? Yeah, they do. Witcher 3. I thought you guys got a PS4 Witcher, for some no, reason. We, got, we got a Nintendo Switch. The Witcher 3 is on Switch right now. Ah. And I think um, I might have logged more hours than Nick. <laughs> but also the things I do differently than Nick, um, he just wants to swing his blade like he's really good at that yeah. he wants to fucking fight some bad guys <laughs> <laughs> he wants to start a fucking fight with everyone he wants to just but swing i play the game blade. i play the game with strategy <laughs> and i make decisions where i don't kill everyone yeah and there's also a game within the game called gwent it's a card game okay and it's a strategy game interesting and i have made it my mission to have a in Gwent deck and whenever there's a challenge where it's like I could pay someone influence someone using some of your witcher magic yeah. or Gwent them for it you Gwent them for it I Gwent them for it and oh. I fuck them up and guess what you get good better cards and money <laughs> I'm like there you yeah go. let's go so you're a much more like surgical approach to this game rather than the uh, the big I'm doing swinging, I'm doing uh, him a, I'm doing him a disservice that's not exactly entirely <laughs> well, true I mean, but he does sit next too. to me and is like he's like you're good at this you pick this up you understand the strategy to it you understand that like you understand the game decisions and I'm like mm-hmm. looking it up on wiki forums like not necessarily trying to cheat but I do I'm the like same thing. I watch YouTube videos there are so all the many time. outcomes mm-hmm. and it changes the whole game oh yeah and Sometimes you're just like, and sometimes the game will do the thing where if you start to get a little bit ahead of yourself, you mm-hmm. get to a point where you can't go back right. and it will eliminate quests. Mm. So I miss, you know, got to catch them all. Got to right? catch them all. So yep. that's the same <laughs> way that I play. I'm every on game. the forums looking up which quests disappear, like yep. figuring it out. I'm like, want me to look that up for you? Want me to look that up for you? I know all you get to pick up herbs like plants in the game yeah. to do alchemy and make formulas or whatever so God, nick's next mission for me <laughs> is to get me to do skyrim mm-hmm. and elder scrolls because yeah. they're similar those games are so 
open world. It's crazy. But he like he'll be playing, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's Arenaria. Oh, that's Han Fiber. Oh, you need you know Celandine for that." And he's I'm just like naming the plants, and he's like, yep. "You're such a loser." Dude, <laughs> this I, is like what? I just got done playing Horizon Zero done. Dawn. It came out in like 2017 uh, for PS4, but I just looked up like these are essential games you have to play yes. for PS4 because I like I played Spider Man, I played uh, The Last of Us. Uh, I played Days Gone, um, th- like, and these are epic games. And like, you know, you're into it when you like know the studios that put them out, the directors and the sound people. You know, they're like, oh, from this director comes this video game. And Sherry doesn't understand that. Like, she's just like, oh, you're going back to play video games again. I'm like, it's a story. It's See, sucking me in. I used in. to be that way about musicals, hmm. and I know you'll appreciate that. Yeah, but I, I, I show tunes make me weep. I love them. I love theater, and I used to like. What's your favorite out favorite musical you've ever seen? Into the Woods. Oh, interesting. Yep. Close We've, second is Parade, Jason Robert Brown. Okay. We performed yeah. in Obviously, the, Into the Woods is Sondheim. If you didn't know that, fuck yourself. Yeah, right? It's Sondheim, <laughs> and he's amazing. We performed that in, in high school. Uh, we did, I think that was our sophomore Oh, it's year such good fun. Something. Yeah. It's such good fun. I and never it's had an opportunity to do the And also, but. it's because I had the biggest girl crush on Bernadette Peters. Like, all those writing assignments would be like, if you could take anyone out to lunch, living or alive, who would you do? And I was like, Bernadette Peters, she's a badass. I was like, she got pipes, and she, I just, I fucking love her. I don't know what it is. That's I still crazy. do. I don't. I think when you have a connection <laughs> with, with, with culture and, and, and with things like that, like, when you can truly appreciate story. So, like... Um, so I mentioned my bed, bedtime routine yes. earlier with the girls. And like, I think the, the difference is, and I don't want to, you know, put Sherry on blast here at all. Cause you know, she's, there's a difference when we read this, when we read the story, like I was an English major, you know, you were philosophy. That's all you need to say. Like you're an English major. I, I, it happens. It comes you know, to life. I read the story with the voices. I read like, you know, I, I, I read ahead. Cause when you're reading out loud, you have to read ahead so that you know who's speaking or what's going to happen or whatnot. And then I can inflict, you know, the story into it. Cause the girls don't have frame of reference for that yet. If you're just reading the words, like, of course they're going to be kind of bored with it. So that carries over to then when we finally put them to sleep and we take them upstairs, uh, every night Dylan gets a bedtime story and she gets to choose it. So like we go upstairs, I put her in her bed. Sherry is generally like snuggling up with Reese to try to get her to go down. And I'm like, all right, Dylan, what's the story tonight? And She'll throw me curveballs left and right. She's like, Daddy, I want a story about Bob's Burgers. Okay. Like a just completely made up story about Bob's Burgers. The other night she's like, Daddy, I want a story about owls. Like, okay. The barnyard ones, those are easy. That's mm-hmm. like, oh, there was a cow and a pig, and the cow did this to the pig, and then the farmer came out, and everybody learned enough. They become allegories. Right. Right. But like last night she hit me with one about an owl, and I'm like, I literally have 30 seconds to come up with this off the top of my head. Um, and I'm just thinking back on every great story I've ever known. So when you keep an encyclopedic knowledge of like musicals or uh, great video games or yeah. episodes of whatever, you can just insert characters. It's almost like just going through an outline and then you can tell those stories it's in like diff- different ways. It's like a Mad Lib, but a bedtime story. Absolutely. Even better. And at, like but not night, nonsensical entirely. Exactly. <laughs> it has to make <laughs> enough sense. It does. And every night we come down and Sherry's like, how are you so good at this? She's like, how are you so good at telling these stories? And I want to be like, I'm just ripping off stuff that the great ones that have come before me have done. I'm just telling it in a different way. She's like, well, how do you even remember that stuff? I'm like, because I don't have kids yelling and screaming in my ears all day and 
putting me off my game and then I'm not worried about all these other things. Like we're just wired differently. And that's kind of how we complement each other, you know. But like you and I are kind of wired in that same way. We're like you appreciate stories and and I mean we could go on and on probably about music and and you know history and all these wonderful like I hate to make it as simple as like we're arts people. But that's probably oh, yeah. a fair statement. Yeah. Right? Like so definitely. I'm actually going to bring my video game story. I'm going to land this plane oh, here. Oh, please do. And I'm going to bring it I'm going to I'm going to bring it back to Ninja Warrior actually okay. because I'm thinking about my learning curve right now mm-hmm. with like going through video games and yeah. just figuring out how to pan around the map and not make get, make myself motion sick, right? Mm-hmm. It's so steep like that and I'm I'm relearning that patience that there's something about what I think is a formative experience for uh, for kids, and especially kids who are growing up with this much technology right now, yeah. <clears throat> but even back whoever, I think it's applicable. The first video games, there's something about like perseverance where you sit down and you redo the level or you redo the story a thousand times over to get to the next thing because you know, you're not going to be stuck in level 38 forever. Yeah, you're you going to have up. to beat the game. You got to level up, yep. right? Yep. So that's kind of how Ninja was for me. It was that learning curve of doing it again and again and again and again and again and again with similar results, but having to remind myself, which is the hardest part, this is the hardest part for me personally, that showing up and doing something was going to get me stronger. Yeah. Especially when I was just just hanging and figuring out the rings. Mm-hmm. When I was able to match on ring three for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I leveled up. Did it. Yeah. I did it. And it's the same thing with this video game when like, you're like, and like yeah. the experience goes and you're just like, your health increases and your yes. knowledge base and increases. You as a coach do a really wonderful thing and you translate that to what you call like your ninja attributes or you think about that. The way you've coached the team and the way I listen to you coach is that you make it a story. You make it video games. You make it something. You make it you make you you give a little bit more substance to something that doesn't necessarily have life because it's like con- well the kids need context. Oh my gosh, that's the absolutely. hardest thing. It's like otherwise they don't they don't know why they're doing something. I entirely Did you agree. ever do that as a kid? Like did you like did you ever find yourself just doing stuff because people told you to do it and you had no frame of reference for why? Yeah, that's how I felt about math. <laughs> But the thing thing. is, I liked math. I wasn't necessarily like bad at math, but math for me was so black or white. You would change the way a problem was written, even if you were doing kind of the same thing or the formula was slightly tweaked and I wouldn't get it. That's how Dylan is. I Oh my God. I had a really, really hard time with math because I would do it the same way a thousand times. My homework would be really good, but then on the on a test or a quiz, when the problem was framed a little bit differently, I would test super poorly. My uh, teachers just took freaking pity on me eventually because they were like, We know you get it, but your test scores are just Well, that's miserable. the difference between understanding like, the theory, oh. <laughs> like understanding the theory of it and understanding why. Like uh, yeah, and here George, I am, a philosophy major. I do really good with theory. <laughs> George Carlin really had this great that. bit about like playing blues music, and I never get like I've talked about my sister giving me this George Carlin tape when I was like twelve years old, but like he complained about uh, white people playing blues music, and and he was just like, you can know, and I'm not even making this a racist thing. That's his words, not mine. He was just like, you can know the notes in the order of like how to play them but you have to understand why those notes need to be played. 
And that to me is like a perfect context for understanding. Like you can, you can generate a greater understanding of something if you understand the theory mm-hmm. and like, but I also remember as a kid taking piano lessons, I hated theory. I hate, cause it's so complex. It's so mm-hmm. ethereal. Like it's, it's bigger than like your little brain is capable of, of handling at the time. And so like we talk about leveling up, like you're not equipped at a young age to handle that much information or to grasp these concepts. No. So Nor we, are you necessarily equipped to handle that much failure right. either because it happens a lot. Kids yeah. who come to class and just don't get it. Yep. Like I, I understand it. it. There's a So that's where you have to hammer there's a fundamentals. Loop there. Right? Exactly. So I'm, I'm reading the uh, the Phil Jackson book right now, uh, 11 Rings. And I mean, the guy's a fantastic coach. It's obviously... I was influenced by the fact that the uh, ESPN. Is this a basketball yeah. coach? You yeah. told me about that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so like ESPN's running this last. For the listeners the last who season. don't know who <laughs> Phil Jackson is, like yes, yours sorry. truly. Phil Jackson. Uh, I, I <laughs> this is good. You're calling me out. I got to give context to some of these stories because I, I you know, uh, so Phil Jackson was the basketball coach. Uh, we had a, a For pretty, you, Kelsey. pretty illustrious <laughs> NBA career of his own. Um, he played for the Knicks, won a few championships, uh, played for a few teams. Uh, then he went on to coach. Uh, coached the Bulls to six championships, three three-peats, which is just unbelievable. Then uh, left the Bulls, went on to coach the Lakers to multiple championships. Um, the guy is just phenomenal. And and he's got this, uh, I'm trying to not use that word so much. I've been listening back through these podcasts. I noticed that I use the word phenomenal a lot. Um, and the guy just, you know, he... He understands the game in this great way, but he also has this kind of Zen master. Uh, he, he's very spiritual. He's, you know, kind of uh, keeps everything in context, you know, keeps everything in balance, is always finding things from, you know, the Buddhist or, uh, or the Tao or the, you know, even uh, Christianity or Native American uh, spirituality. He's just a very spiritual guy. And giving context to helping people understand things. Um, has to go hand in hand with fundamentals. He talked about how much NBA players love getting back to the fundamentals of basketball because it's familiar to them. And I think there's something to that. If you're going to try to teach somebody a new concept, they need to understand the fundamentals of, or like they need to have something that makes them feel comfortable, mm-hmm. fundamentals. So like when we're doing Ninja or we're teaching kids or we're teaching adults, we shouldn't gloss over like kind of hammering or, or, or getting back to doing with precision the things that are fundamental to our sport mm-hmm. before we introduce a new concept or something new or to put that fundamental in context. Because I remember playing basketball as a kid and I always remember my coaches being like, we've got to nail these fundamentals. And I'd be like, why? Like, why do I need to, I, I can hit a layup. They're like, can you hit it with two seconds left on the clock with a defender hanging on your back? And I'd be like, I don't know, probably. They'd be like, no, 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 you have to know that you can do that. That's a fundamental. Mm-hmm. So before I'm going to give you the ball with five seconds left, I need to know that you can do that. Turns out I couldn't, which is why I sucked at basketball. But all these things can kind of like go hand in hand. So as we talk about video games, mm-hmm. if you threw someone into The Witcher on like, I don't know how the levels work. What, level 15, 20, is that high? Or um, it go they up actually to like 60? have you select a difficulty at the beginning and the first is like just a story. The second is like... More, I don't remember quite what it's that. called, yeah. but then the hardest of the hard is called Death March, yeah. <laughs> where it's just God of War does that too. Swinging yeah, yeah, yeah. your blade and everyone wants to kill you. Yep. So, but imagine you were a person who just picked up the game. Mm-hmm. 
you put it on that difficulty and they put you on like level 20 or on like, you know, the 10th or 12th quests that you had to do like in the game, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? You'd have no frame of reference. And even if the game was telling you hit B, hit B or hit A or like at this time, you'd be taking in so much information. It would take you that much longer to learn it. Mm -hmm. If you put it on a, a relatively appropriate difficulty level and allow your skills to progress as the story in the game progresses, well, now all of a sudden you're a player. Like now you've learned yeah. the right way to do it. I think Ninja is tricky with that because mm-hmm. the immediate difficulty, it's like, well, just hang, which is so simple, right? But it takes a lot of time for those muscles to develop, for your hand, for your skin to get hard, literally, because everyone comes in and the first thing they do is they're like, my hands. I actually, um, we celebrated a birthday of a young ninja recently, Mr. Noah Bittner. Yeah. And I had sent him a message on Instagram because that's, that's what, the only way I really have of contacting Noah Bittner, yeah. not going through his <laughs> mother, which is, you know, would be horribly embarrassing. So he is a I sent Noah a message like, happy birthday. And I realized he had replied to a little story that I had posted a couple years ago when I had ripped the skin off my hands. Like there were two on one hand, they were huge. Mm-hmm. And I heard somewhere along the line, um, I'm not. <laughs> Angela Gargano endorsed this. Angela, you're wrong. I don't know how you do this, and I don't know how you do it well, but the idea is to put a tea bag uh-huh. on your rip. I haven't heard that. Yeah, because I think I think it's green tea. has mm-hmm. some antioxidants or yeah. antiseptic properties. That makes sense. Which makes sense, but it stings like fucking hell, right? <laughs> so, like... I documented this and put it on Instagram because I was stupid. And that's what I did at the time for no reason other than to like for the I've heard all sorts of the things. The point I drove home was yeah. like kids come into the gym and they're like, my hands hurt. And they're so sweet. They turn all sweaty and pink and they're red. And all you can do is just be like, you think you're going to rip? You think you're going to lose skin? And they're going to be like, no. Or it they're going to be like, yeah. And if the answer is yeah, you're like, well, then you're done. And if the answer is like, no, I'm going to be like, well, you're going to have to get, get back in. You're going to have to deal with some of that discomfort. And let me tell you, I know it's not comfortable, uh-huh. but to have like huge gaping holes on your hand, like mm-hmm. where there are millimeters of skin gone. And like Noah had replied, LOL <laughs> to this. He was like, LOL, LOL. Because I was like, kids don't even know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. There's like, we, there's no frame of reference for how much work you have to put in. There's no frame of reference. And also there's no, like training wheels for hanging. It's like you either can or you can't and you have to start to do it somehow, right? Mm -hmm. Whether assisted with one foot on the ground, one foot off. But really until you can support your body weight just hanging, you're limited in the sport. And there's a really, really steep learning curve there, right? Mm -hmm. Because your first ring line, your first lache, your first monkey bar lap, like those are doors that are opening for you Mm -hmm. and you progress in leaps and bounds and leaps and bounds until you hit your your next plateau. And often it's a strength-related plateau or it's fear-related. Yeah. Fear was never the problem for me because I would throw myself at anything because I knew I could get out of it pretty Clearly someone who did a flip into the foam pit... uh, (laughs) Like fearlessly. Oh, yes. Fearlessly threw a double, double front, front flip that I under-rotated. Mm-hmm. Banged your um, head on the, I'll never forget Oh, that. yeah. That was a great concussion. Yep. yep. Um, so, again, the fearlessness was not necessarily the problem to the point of stupidity, and I'll own that. However, Just had me the terrified. other hand <laughs> is like there's no point of reference. Like the kids are like it, – it's, it's such – the kids who are excelling at this sport right now and doing such an incredible job um, – 
with the maintenance and with the care. And some of that is because they're younger athletes, right? Kids bounce when they fall. They don't yeah. necessarily break Much the way lower center of adults do, right? And they weigh a lot less, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you joke around with the adult clients, like, yeah, if I was 60 pounds, I could too, which is also, yeah, kind of true, right? Yeah. They have a huge advantage, but also the kids who've made it their mission to be so good right now, They've put in so much hard work, mm-hmm. and it's really they don't even realize, and it they they're don't just even realize playing they're because they're they're going to hear our storm on our podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. We get to be thunder buddies. <laughs> Fuck you, thunder. You can suck my dick. How did I know you can't get me, in? thunder? Because you're just got spots. There's some ten for you. I There's one I do know. There you go. <laughs> thunder song. I can't believe I would have thrown that song. one in. I didn't think you would have known that one. It's Mac that's, fucking Wahlberg. Yeah, that's one I that's one I that's one I got there. All right, but there the go. kids they Did you watch the second one? Wasn't that I great? don't think I saw Ted 2. Ted no. 2. Yeah. It's no. It's okay. It was okay. Yeah. Did you ever watch Caddyshack? No. Did you watch Caddyshack? That's another classic. Anyway, Big Lebowski, Caddyshack. Yep. All right, I'm adding him. I know that it just adds up. I feel like I like watch a few and I'm like, really? Well, they never stop making them. I know. That's right? kind of how I feel about music right now. It's like it's I was, right Bardo was in here before and he was like, tell me about all these new artists I need to check out. And I'm just like, but what about all the music that I actually like to watch like, or listen like to? Like to watch. Like, <laughs> well, you like can now, do that now. Music videos. I have so much. There's like, it, it, yeah, I can't a huge keep arsenal. up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm the psycho who listens to Latin music. Do there's really? a world of that. Well, yeah, because like I mean, you love Zumba, and, and like obviously you're introduced. Well, to actually, that. yes, the Zumba, which is huge, because it was like my first love before Ninja. Mm-hmm. But um, I grew up doing, I grew up social dancing, salsa. Really? Which I yeah. Which oh I yeah, learned. Bombed. Okay, yeah. Like yeah, all and I I was able to salsa, bachata, and merengue, like socially, wow. like lead follow before I learned any formal steps to anything. That is so foreign to me. I cannot dance for shit. I'm the worst dancer. Like I literally have no rhythm at all. I'm, Which is so funny because you can sing and Yeah. I can put a beat, I can put a melody to anything, but like I cannot move. I don't know how to move my body. I'm I'm so in awe of, of people that can dance. I'm be, like I'm very very impressed by people that can dance. Now, now I get a couple drinks at me at a wedding, maybe I'll go out and bust a move, but yeah. I'll embarrass myself like anybody else. Um so, so my la- my last thing was that the kids who are doing this right now in Ninja, they're working really, really hard. And then you asked me before the threshold for adults walking in and what yeah. if, if it was fear or sorry, I got off center on my mic. Um, if it was fear or what it was for them walking through the door for that first time, whether it was failure, it was going to like fall on my butt. I said it was competitiveness for adults right now. I think the biggest struggle is a combination of the fear because adults tend to walk in with responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Wives, yeah, you can't kids, get hurt. Careers, yeah. they don't want to get hurt, and and also, it's completely foreign. Like I think one of the most beautiful things about Ninja is trusting your body and strengthening that relationship because we're so sedentary. I'm, I'm realizing in quarantine, like how much I'm sitting right now and how I'm not used to that and how it's wrecking me. Mm. My hamstrings have never been tighter. And yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Cause I went from used to moving, moving, moving. Anyway. Yeah. And then adults come into the gym and they're like, wow, there's all this strength that seems like completely out of my reach right now from where they are standing. And then there's a lot of fear to be an adult coming into Ninja Warrior, I think is one of the bravest things you can do. And yeah. 
and we have such a and wonderful also one of the most satisfying like if you can get over that initial yes you know yes 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 the great thing about ninja is that you get it or you don't and when you do get it it's instant gratification yeah. and that's you're my favorite find thing a about more supportive community no either. it's true i mean it's not like you're showing up to like your local rec league basketball or volleyball or something where there's competition they're like oh yeah that team sucks and then you go out drinking afterwards and like that's where you get your camaraderie from yeah like this is instant camaraderie like you're on an obstacle people want to see you complete it they're not praying for you to fail. No. That's not, and maybe that's, I was going to ask you earlier because you were talking about like our coaching with, with video games and leveling up or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I can only assume that that's how everybody does it. Like I just assume that every ninja gym in the country has those two elements as part of their program. One is relentless positivity um, mm-hmm. with people that come in and do it. And two is we're all nerds. And we equate it to video games and, and stuff like that, and we level up. Yeah, I, 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 I assume that's how everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Chris and I talked about like the success of the program, in that it, it it stems from an athletic background, where like you know Sherry and I started the program as trainers, mm-hmm. and we wanted to create athletes first, and then put those athletes on ninja courses, and that's why our program has had a. You know, I mean, you mentioned Jesse and Alyssa and uh, Mia and. and John's uh, decathlete holds 11 college records. That's Jesse, Alyssa, yeah. gymnastics, yeah. um, Mia, Megan gymnast. Martin, yeah. climbing, Rock Mia, climber. Yep. gymnast, uh, or they're stunt performers. Mm-hmm. They're climbers. They have like the, or it's track. Lots it of starts track. with like pole with, vaulting. Yeah. But like, if you're, if you're someone, well, so I guess they're athletes first Yeah, and then they come to Ninja. No one is just a Ninja. That's not, you know what I mean? You could make an argument for Drew, and Joe used to do that all the time, where he would be like, Drew was like the first, like, remember when, well, maybe you don't, so, like, MMA mm-hmm. used to just be like, hey, can a karate guy kick a boxer's ass? Like, and they used to put guys in the ring together. And that's and see who could, And that's what MMA was. Um, and then it evolved into this sort of stew, this amalgamation of all these different practices and involved into its own thing. Ninja Mm kind of did the same thing. It was parkour. It was rock climbing. It was gymnastics. It was circus arts. It was track to an extent. You Mm -hmm. know, it was bodyweight calisthenics. It was, you know, all these different things. And then it evolved into Ninja. Mm -hmm. And Drew was one of the earlier adopters of that that was like, okay, I've come from a parkour background, but I'm going to train exclusively Ninja Warrior. I mean, he's had a lot of success because of it. You mm-hmm. know, that's, um, and now, I mean, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, like with the way this program operates. Like, you know, if we were still doing, I look back at stuff. You mentioned 2016. I look at the stuff we were doing back then, and I'm like, oh god, what were we thinking? We were learning, just yeah. like you're learning a video game, just mm-hmm. like you're learning anything else. You're figuring it out. Yeah. You're being like, oh, I didn't learn how to pan the camera yet. Up, oh, up. Oh. Oh, now we're not using medicine balls for balance anymore. We're <laughs> actually like making things work. We aren't walking across the tops of kettlebells. Yeah, and we're not falling and breaking ankles and busting hips uh, because of it. We're not sending kids to the top of cargo nets um, without mats. That was the one thing I'll never forget with Renata. She was just like, I will invest in this team as much as you want as long as you get more mats. Because <laughs> I, I had mentioned when we yeah. first started the team, I was like, more mats, more mats. All right, um, we got to wrap this up a, a little bit because I got to go get the dog and I still have to go to the grocery store and run some errands. We're yeah, a quarantine in the life. Um, and also feedback from Kelsey. She said that I could keep them, I should keep them shorter. These used to be like three-hour conversations and then I checked the numbers today and apparently people are checking out after like 40 minutes. Mm. So if Where I keep are we? It, we're at an hour 20. Oh, too, too far. Abort. But no, if I keep it 
if I if I keep it fun and interesting. This has actually been a really fun and interesting conversation. Woo-hoo. We've like kept it going. I knew it would be. Um, Me too. <laughs> let's let's finish with some stories because like the one thing I notice when I listen to other people's podcasts that I really like, I love when they tell stories. Like I I love when I hear insights into like people's history or their lives or whatnot, and when we kind of get. I don't know, like discussion-y on, so we talk about topics and we try to like, you know, understand them better, more mm-hmm. informational, but sometimes you just want a good dick and fart story. It's just like the way to go. So I put a little note here. Uh, funniest interaction you've ever had with someone, adult or child in class as a, as a class coach. Um, there is a set. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm struggling the way to frame this because if this family happens to find this podcast and tune in and God God forbid Coach Paulina's dropping F-bombs and now I'm talking about their kids. All right, there is an adorable child who does not give me my own personal space. Mm-hmm. Velcro, just Velcro. Okay. To the point where I'm like placing them out of my lap. Like I'm like, no, no, Coach Paulina needs her own space, which is totally fine. I don't mind it. I mean, they're the youngest age groups, like mm-hmm. the five to six-year-olds they're precious. They're adorable. Like it is completely charming and innocent, but I like, I will never forget sitting, um, like doing, doing attendance at the beginning of class or at the end of class. I can't remember. I was doing some kind of wrap up and this kid who's sitting right next to me, not in my lap, but as close as he can be first an arm comes, I'm sitting cross-legged too. And my hands are resting on my knees. So there's a nice window between my elbow and my hip. First a hand appears like in that vicinity. Just like linking, linking its way in, like about to like link arms. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to rest right on my thigh and just doesn't move anywhere, but just like is there. And it seemed like what a kid would do to their parent without like even realizing it. Just mm-hmm. like no, no personal boundaries, just no lack of space. But this, this adorable six year old is just sitting there listening to me intently with his hand on my thigh. <laughs> And I was just like, this is so funny and so uncomfortable. And I'm like, we have to have like, like a little bit Bubble. more there. What conversation about bubbles? Yeah. Just a little bit of conversation. And yeah. I was like, hands to yourself, please. I need my own space. And it like, oh you just God. frame it like that. And then the next was, <clears throat> this was a kid who, um, who like pretty much made me cry actually. Cause he was so mean to me in class. Oh, you I know, this I, story. I remember this one, and I'm going to tell it for the podcast. <laughs> when I was subbing for, for an, I was subbing for another coach and I was coaching with Isaiah, our pal, a good pal Zays, mm-hmm. um, a class of seven to nine year olds. And there was a kid in this class who I had had the previous year for the fall, the two winter and the spring sessions. So, so like, I knew, knew I knew this kid, this kid knew me, had a great time with this kid. Um, and he, let's call him Luke. Cause I mean, there are a thousand Lukes, but that's not his name and it's not even close. There you go. So this kid, Luke, (laughs) at the end of class, we're coming together to do a final activity. And I was like, oh man, you guys, like I'm having so much fun coaching with you. I wish I could coach you guys all the time. You're a great group. I've been having so much fun. And this kid, Luke looks at me and without missing a beat is like, you're not a good coach. No one likes you. We all like Coach Isaiah better. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, I was like waiting for some, like the, 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 the pe- butt, you know, the, the like, butt, the like anything. psych, anything. And I was like, I was like, wow, bud, are you kidding? And he was like, no. Harsh. <laughs> like, kids, kids don't realize like, I mean, I've 
I've noticed this, but like, well, well, two things. Number one. Oh my God, it was brutal. Yeah. The hand on the leg thing. Yeah. I've had that happen as well. We have this family who's super close to our program and both of their sons at one point were on our, on our team. We're out in LA for Ninja versus Ninja. Mm-hmm. Like first, uh, one of the, or team Ninja Warrior. We're still team Ninja Warrior at that point. We're sitting in the stands. Yeah. And one of the sons is just like, he's, he's watching the races, mm-hmm. you know, like going through it and just rubbing my thigh, just hand on my leg, just rubbing yeah. my thigh. And I'm, I'm like looking at him and I'm like looking at his mom. I'm like looking at him and looks at mom. She looks over and she goes, oh yeah, that's, that's his way of expressing himself. He, that means he's very comfortable with you. Oh, and I was, I was like kind of like sweet, but also you're yeah, I was like, kind of like sweet, but also don't, touch but also kind of like okay, <laughs> weird. Okay. <laughs> and like, I, I'm glad you're comfortable with me like that. Like that's, that's cool, I guess. Um, and then as far as like kids, I mean, they, they say stuff and like, this is me like knowing my own kids now, they say stuff that is so top shelf that you're just like, holy shit. I wouldn't say that to a person I absolutely hated. And you just came right out with it. Like with nothing. But what they don't realize is how quickly you could destroy them. Like if you, like if you retaliated, like if an adult said that to you and you retaliated with words, like the adult would be like, well, and they'd walk away. They wouldn't cry for like three hours and have it scar them permanently with that retort. Oh, you were right yeah. for not having retorted in that situation. No, I was kind of looking at Isaiah like, what do I do? And he's like, I don't know, coach. Like, and it he wouldn't was just, take much. This kid just stood his ground. And I was like, you kind of hurt my eyes. I even said to him, I was like, there in that moment, I was like, you kind of hurt my feelings. And, and he was just like, I was like, you're going to say sorry. He was like, he was fuck like, you. I'm dead inside. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> he, I don't even know if he looked at me, but he gave me kind of that like chin up smirk. Oh, like, Ugh. Jesus, like turned his nose up at me almost. A bad day. And I was like, Oh shit. I could throw you across this room right now. He Draco Malfoy the shit out. Of oh you my right God. There. He Draco Malfoy the fuck out of me. This kid's name should now be Draco. There Let it be go. known that Draco. the record has been changed. Draco Luke Malfoy. equals Draco. Yeah, it was Malfoy. awful. And I mean, that was like the one time a kid has been like, outwardly mean to me yeah ever i've had a, i've had a few a few disgruntled i mean you do it as much as we do you're gonna get a few nothing nothing that stands out quite as much as that one but that's uh and those are hard to diffuse too right like you know it's so getting back to that that phil jackson book that i was reading like um he talks a lot about how certain coaches you know can uh bend they, they try to bend the will of their players to their to their agenda. And they, they, it's this old school sort of over the top, you know, sort of bludgeoning mentality. Like I'm going to tell you exactly what to do in order to get all the players on the same page. Mm-hmm. And his is kind more of browbeat them into submission on exactly. the team. Exactly, And his is more of like a, um, we're, we're united in a common goal and we need to support each other. He brings mm-hmm. them together. Well, that's what makes a good manager too, is sure. not making everyone conform to the way you manage, but conforming the way you manage to your group. Exactly. Cause it's a group, it's a give yeah. the group a task, yep. you know, and, and that, that's it. Everything you do is for the betterment of the group. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do in a kid's class when they're all there with oh individual agendas. When they're right? dick punching each other, <laughs> that's happened to both of us. Yeah. We know who that was. <laughs> Yep. Uh, and that's, it's hard to do because like, what are they working towards? Are they all working towards level up? I mean, there's not a lot of like, I mean, if you're an NBA team, yeah, you win a championship. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. If you're in the three thirty Tuesday class with 14 other kids, um, 
what's your end goal at the end of the nine weeks? It's to make yourself better. So it, it's a completely different context. It's very to abstract to. too. Yeah. yeah. And it's very, very subjective. So that's where we have to be better, you know, to try to find those things. Yeah, that's that where we have them. to become our, like, well, actually, this is, we mentioned Zumba briefly, and it's not just the music that I love. What I love so much about Zumba is that you get to be both an educator and a performer, which is why I love being a coach so much. Yeah. Because you get to do both. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love being able to teach the nitty gritty yep. and the adults are just exponentially rewarding for that because oh, yeah. they soak like it up. Sponges. They yep. soak it up. And with the kids, you get to perform, mm-hmm. you get to perform, which is, which is a ton of fun. I'm not necessarily like the goofball, but I like, I know, I know when I can be completely silly and yeah. like have kids not take me seriously and you know, like have, have the kids all laugh at me at my expense and have it be like, it's fine. Okay. And like, I made it that way, which I think there's, especially when you are in like the three 30 Tuesday ninja class with, you know, 16 kids or like, you know, you're one kid or whatever. It's like that you have to be able to get the whole group to still do what you want. Mm -hmm. So when one group's just like, but they weren't doing whatever. And I was like, Yep. And you know what? I guess you don't have to either. That's fine. But how about instead you do this? Mm-hmm. And that's when the elasticity of Ninja comes with like with being a performer, when you're able to put it together and you're able yeah. to think on the spot. It's it's exciting and really rewarding. Yeah. And I really love that we have a program at action that lets us do that. We're able, we're able to do that. We're able to play off the other coaches. We're able to play off the other kids, like the kids themselves. Mm-hmm. The kids are my favorite part. I mean, I love, I love Ninja, but you I wouldn't like, do this if, it, if that wasn't right. Oh my gosh. No, yeah, there's, yeah. there's if other I ways Ninja, to make but hated children. You would find me not doing what I'm doing right now. Right. right? There's, and you know what? There's a lot of ninjas out there that that's their mentality. Not that they hate kids, but it's just not their passion. Oh yeah. Right? No. You know, like they're, they're self focused. They're focused on, on doing what they need to do for mm-hmm. their ninja career or whatnot. And you know, there, there's a certain thing I would say ultimately though, given what you just said, you've achieved enlightenment as a ninja coach or even as a coach in general, because like it is a performance and especially with working with kids, like, look, I mean, we talked to Josh a couple of weeks ago. Um, even going back to the Harry Potter book, the mm-hmm. difference between me and Sherry reading. If you mm-hmm. want to get the message across with kids, you have to be a performer. You have to be a performer. That's yeah. and and you run into a lot less issues with kids when they're distracted by the performance. Yeah. When they're when they're just like, oh, this is I'm having so much fun. They don't even realize it. Like yeah. when my they buy in. Yeah. Because they're just like, oh, this is this is cool and exciting and I want to be a part of this. Like you've You've leveled up as a ninja coach. You've you've achieved like the you know the mastery level having having learned that. I see a lot of young ninja coaches that struggle with it. Yeah. They try to bulldog kids into it. They try to demand compliance, and ultimately you got to realize that if they're not paying attention, you can't get that message in there. Yeah, you, you have to have their attention first, and that comes from the performance. It's it great. really does help. It really does help, and. That, I mean, and that's that's guess why I like dance so much, or why I love. I mean, I, why I love being a Zumba instructor, which is the other thing that I'm actually I'm actually getting back to. I'm teaching my first Zumba class on June fifth. Are you teaching a, a Zumba class? I am teaching a <laughs> Zumba class. My class president um, from Wellesley. We are. Our first reunion was canceled because of coronavirus. Oh, jeez. So on that Friday is it five night, year? five year, five year, yeah, wow. five year. 
Wow. So, um, oh on Shit. that first Friday of reunion weekend, Just they have, have a fifteenth. Don't worry about sorry. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm younger than you. I'm always gonna be. I know. Clearly, time flies. Yeah. That does. uh, that Friday is dance your class off, and it's nice. like a big dance party to welcome everyone. Pun. You yeah. know, so everyone in their class gear, whatever their color, cool, whatever cool. they do. So I'm going to be doing a Zumba class for my class. Nice. And it's going to be the first one ever. And the great thing about that is because right now I'm brushing up on my fundamentals, which is not just like the core steps. It's not about the choreography. It's can you teach the choreography? And Zumba, if you don't know what Zumba is, it's dance fitness. Yeah. Right. But it's not like if you walk into a Zumba class and next thing you know you're doing burpees, walk out of that Zumba class because that's not Zumba. Oh, it's okay. not Zumba. There are Good. there are no burpees. You People should not be on the floor. There are all kinds of dance fitness that incorporates level changes. Mm-hmm. When you're up and down on the off the floor, this is not one of those classes. Cool. Um, so everything is nonverbal cueing as well. So nice. if you walk into a Zumba class and the instructor is wearing a mic. Walk the fuck out. Oh, Zoom is meant to be taught to a room full of people where the music is so loud, all they can see are your hands. And your hands and your body should be telling them what to do. That's cool. So you have to cue all your moves. Whether it's to the left, you have to use, or if it's two steps, you have to point down at the floor. You have to hold an arm up really, really high so the back of the class can see. But now, because it's virtual Zumba, yeah. you have to cue to the camera. So yeah. your cues have to come down because your fingers will get lost at the top part of the screen. Oh, yeah. So I'm reteaching myself how to cue songs I already knew. That's so much thought into like this is yes. really. Yes, and you have to pre-cue as well. It's not just the music changes. Quick, three to the left, yeah, no, whatever. Yeah, need, yeah, you need have a heads to, up. <laughs> you, ha- you have to do it and it, that's all physical. It's facial expression, but first you're an educator. It starts small. And then you add the flavor. So you once called me. We're gonna. I'm gonna bring up my ninja nickname right now. Yeah. Nate has crowned me beet sauce. Yep. Because I, I always got the beat because I'm always dancing. Is how it came up. And yeah. he's like, yeah, you put some sauce on that hockey puck like a hockey shot. You give it some, give it a little extra, a little extra pizzazz. That's, That's kind of exactly how you right. described it. To I me. still maintain it's one of my greatest ninja nicknames of all time. Um, Even though it, it didn't fall the way I wanted it to. It didn't. Which is like in. <laughs> But also, but if you know you, if you know me, it makes and you sense. you come into it with a pure heart and get your mind out of the gutter. It's a great. Well, producers still nickname. think when you say it fast, it sounds like beats off. And what? beat sauce beats off. Beats, like it's kind of close. So- beat sauce. Beat sauce. Yeah, like, people kind of thought it sounded like jizz. So it, people are idiots. People are fucking idiots. I'm sorry. I'm what playing potatoes and onions, and they're but peanut butter I'm, and jelly. But I'm saying that the beat sauce thing right there, it, it comes full circle with I stand by it. With Zumba, right? You Perfect. gotta be an educator first. Like you have you have to make sure everyone knows the steps before you can dance bigger. But whether that's a facial expression, a wink, whether you point at your eye or you point at your ear, where you're like, I watch me, ear, listen, this, because yeah. it's all to the beat. Having that fitness background. For me, which like you can go to a Zumba and it's not, it's not a certification. It's a license. Oh, it's wow. a license to teach and it's a license to be like an ambassador of the program. Yeah. Right. Wow. And your success as an instructor depends on if you have a class, because if you suck, yeah, no coming, one's going to come to your class. Right. So it's not about being the best dancer. It's about really being interesting. the best teacher. Like nonverbal cueing, like that's the part that I'm kind of getting hung up on because like mm-hmm. that's that's the mark of a really great instructor. Is if you can if you can teach anything through nonverbal cues. I always go back to like 
uh, Charlie Chaplin or even, you know, movies that like, you ever notice like with older movies, they don't talk nearly as much yes. as they do in they, modern they movies. They communicate a lot they, more just, with their body look, language or a look. Or it's yep. a shot or it's a whatever. That nonverbal communication is so important. Rising action and the scene comes and the yeah. light changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's all um, nonverbal. Oh, what did we watch? It was uh, it was Scorsese, not Otis, Oliver. Hugo. 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 That movie was fantastic. That was a great kids movie. Yeah. Uh, my daughter found it the other day on, on Netflix and we watched mm-hmm. that. I watched that when it first came out. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It great, really great cute. movie. Especially because that guy was filming all those movies, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. You kind of got a, a glimpse into Scorsese's, like, you know, what he loved about movie magic. Yes. You know, as like, and, yeah. and now he's become a fantastic director. I think obviously that, that melds together a lot of different things. Like, you know, you have to have passion for something. You have to understand it on a fundamental level, but mm-hmm. also understand the theory behind it in yeah. order to make it That's work. That's the theory. So like, and then I see that now with you, with you and Zumba. And I also see it with Ninja, like, and, and everything you do, like that's watching you grow as a coach and as a, you know, in all your fields over the last few years has been very rewarding. Like you're, you're, you're leveling up across all, all different fields. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm to smiling see. really big right now. You can't tell cause it's a podcast, <laughs> but it's been really fun to do it. Yeah. It's right. Been and, really fun. And it's been the, really rewarding too. The best thing I can possibly do is, is create an environment that, that allows that, you know, that, that, that brings people in that allows them to do that. Um, all right, I got to wrap this up. I, I do. I, I had a great time. Now we've expanded you into, into the podcast universe. You Indeed, did great this with is my it. first ever really podcast. It definitely won't be the last. You're great at it. You're a great conversationalist. Well, um, okay, tell people where they can find you on uh, wherever you want them to find you. Like talk like wherever you can find you're me. You're doing your Zumba class. Obviously, pump that. Pump that that Zumba class is unfortunately closed only oh, okay. for the Wellesley College community. But my goal is actually, if you'll allow it, I would love to teach a mini class to the Ninja Team. Okay. At some point. Sure. Um, because I think it would be hilarious, and also they'd be like, "This is so hard." I I love it. I would Which love to see Paul. I think Woods it's just a new a it's just a new type <laughs> of neuromuscular pathway and we're gonna make them exercise it. So eventually when there are more Zumba classes in my future, I will let you know if and when I am teaching them. But for now you can find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. My handle is Polly Wanacraca, spelled P A U L I, the first five letters of my name. Wana without an H. That's W A N N A with Cracker. C R A. C K A H. There's an H, H at that, the end of that one because Paulina we're in Wanna Boston and it's right. wicked. Yep. So that is Polly Wanacraca, all one word, no punctuation on Instagram. Fantastic. Uh, well, listen, I mean, this is definitely not going to be the last time we do this. Uh, oh, who knows fun. how long this quarantine is going to last? It might become like a weekly uh, conversation, but. I got to brush up on my philosophy, then I can come in and teach a lesson can, about metaphysics. You know what? We stuck to Woo-hoo. our topics. This is the first time this has ever happened in the history of my podcast. That I'm actually, also good at landing the plane with you. You really are. You, like <laughs> I said, you've grown into an ace. Um, all right. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, I look forward to uh, your feedback on this one, especially you, Kelsey. Woo-hoo. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>